Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. We are in the middle of the fastest moving technology shift in our lifetime. And for the majority of us listening, we live through the birth of the internet. So that's definitely saying something. Here's the good news. It's good news. Truly, I have so much to fill you in on. Join me for my upcoming workshop, The Market Shift. It's so crucial to online businesses that I'm offering it completely for free. No strings attached, just pure actionable insights that will help you navigate the coming changes. But that's not all. If you attend live and stay until the end, you'll get exclusive access to my brand new mini course, The Two-Click Funnel absolutely free. Inside, I'm giving you the exact automation funnel I'm running that consistently converts organic traffic into loyal buyers in minutes. Join me and prepare your business for the future. Go to bossproject.com shift to register now. If you're hearing this, there's still time. Don't miss out bossproject.com shift. Today on the podcast, we have Amy Northard, CPA, accountant for the creatives, Amy has been a friend of ours for what feels like centuries at this point. I've known her, I think, almost longer than I've known Emily, if not Yeah, longer. I've known Amy longer than you, too. And she's awesome. She makes everything sound so simple that, like, maybe you could do it yourself, and then you start <laughs> thinking about it, and you're like, eh, maybe not. But she really goes over some really great things today about getting to know stuff. But she's seriously, if you haven't met her before, she's so knowledgeable about all things taxes, bookkeeping, mm -hmm. making things stress-free, and making things easy to understand. Yeah, you're going to learn a lot in today's episode, like what type of business should you be and how do you even form that? Her favorite apps, tools, and software is to keep track of all your numbers questions you should ask before you're ready to hire a CPA, things that you guys are forgetting to deduct, and stuff that you can't deduct that you might think that you can. And we talk about the icky quarterly taxes and how to make that process super simple for you moving forward so you're not scared and stressed out come tax season. We're also going to share a link in the show notes to Amy's program, Be Your Own CFO, and it's super, super awesome. If you want to kind of take charge of this stuff yourself, if you don't want to outsource it and you kind of feel like you can do this whole numbers thing, but you just need that strategy and that confidence boost and have access to Amy. So you can find that in the show notes, but right now, just settle in and give this one a listen. Hello, everybody, and welcome. We are here with our good friend, Amy Northard. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thanks for having me. Uh, guys, we're talking everything numbers today, so bear with me. I almost skipped out on this interview and let Abby run it by herself because y'all know how much I hate talking about stuff like this, but it's getting you like legit. It's getting you set up. Amy makes it not so scary. We're talking accounting and business formations and taxes and all of that good stuff. Good, bad, 
icky stuff, but bear with us. It's going to be a great episode. Everything's going to be groovy. So Amy, I know a lot of people come into this whole online business world and they're excited to get started and they jump in and they're ready to sell and they get the idea of marketing and I need a website and I need an email list. And then when it comes to numbers, they're like Emily and they're like, oh God, but I don't want to keep track of all this stuff. That sounds terrible. So what type of business, like purely based from like a numbers point of view, do you think is the easiest to keep track of to start with? Like, should someone be a sole proprietorship? When does it make sense to be an LLC or other types of business, you know, types? What's your recommendations for that? So, you know, from a purely like easiness standpoint, I think that the sole proprietorship is definitely the easiest. The nice thing is when you add that LLC layer to your business, if you're a single owner, it doesn't change anything with the way you do bookkeeping or file taxes. Everything stays the same. So it doesn't hurt to go ahead and add that LLC a layer of protection for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, both are very easy to do, though. When does it start to get complicated from a tax filing perspective? What types of businesses are a little more insane? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think when you have when you have to file that extra tax return, so like partnerships, you know, you guys are familiar with having the extra return and S-Corps are probably then the next level of difficulty. So they're not, it's nothing too insane. And as long as you have somebody walking you through it and, and there to answer questions, then they're, it's not too bad. But those are the ones that require extra tax returns. You're not just filing an extra form with your personal taxes anymore. Mm -hmm. So there's an extra cost to it and that kind of thing. So how does someone set up a sole proprietorship or an LLC? So a sole proprietorship is literally set up as soon as you decide, I'm going to treat myself like a business. I'm going to start collecting money, having expenses. There's nothing you have to file for the IRS to start a sole proprietorship. You can run it under your social security number and your name, and that's all you have to do. Now, states are a little bit different. Some states have requirements for the sole proprietorships, and you have to register for a license. So it's always good to just Google your state requirements for sole proprietorships or LLCs just to get an idea of what you need to be aware of. And then the LLCs are something you apply to with your state. So it's a good idea to also take a look and just make sure you're prepared for the filing fees. Like California, you have to pay $800 regardless of whether you make money or not if you want to be an LLC. Yeah. So, you know, researching that before you jump right into it is always a really good idea. It was super easy for us to file our LLC, guys. So if that's something that you're considering, I think it was like 50 bucks. That exact process of doing it online, there was other stuff, obviously, that Abby can speak to of things that we had to gather and apply for. But it was a lot simpler than we both thought it would be. Yeah, I kept thinking there was more things I should be doing. And then when I started to set up things like payroll and S-Corp stuff and all that other stuff, I was like, oh, this is the stuff I thought that was going to happen. And that I will say, 
I am a I would like to think of myself as an intelligent person and even someone who's very competent with numbers, but Lord, we will and we do have people on our team that will be handling these sort of yes. things because the tax part when you get to that stage in an S Corp, oh my Lanta. I just was like, what is happening? I asked Amy a few questions before we started today's podcast, and I think my eyeballs glazed over. I was like, "Uh uh-huh, 15% and then 5% and then what? I I have literally (laughs) no idea what she said. So don't be afraid to ask questions. So I think this is a great point. When do you think it makes sense in someone's business to think about hiring a CPA or a bookkeeper? I mean, I think. It depends on how familiar you are with doing your own books. I mean, I've talked with some people who in a past life, they did, they had to do some bookkeeping for their day job. So they felt pretty good about doing it themselves. But the majority of creatives, they never touch numbers. They don't want to deal with it at all. And instead of spending your creative time and your time making the money for the business, you could outsource it from the very beginning and focus that energy that you have on things that will make you money. The other thing is you can so easily mess up both your bookkeeping and taxes and then still end up paying a ton of money to a professional to get it fixed. So you can avoid the hassle and the heartache Mm -hmm. by having someone involved with that in the beginning. You know, as long as you can afford it and it makes sense financially for your business, I wouldn't go into debt just to hire a bookkeeper because that's not smart for your business. But if it makes sense, then I would try to work that in as soon as possible. Yeah. What other tools or, you know, software should people be using to keep track of their numbers if they do decide to Well, even if they don't decide, if they hire someone else, they might even be using these tools. What do you recommend as far as softwares to keep track of these sort of things? Um, So I think finding a good bookkeeping software is the first thing, Um, even if it ends up being a spreadsheet, you know, like whatever you feel comfortable with and you know you will do on a weekly or monthly basis if you're doing your own bookkeeping, find something you feel comfortable with and feels good and you're not going to put it off or you're less likely to put it off and stick with that. So I really like Google Docs for that because especially if you're sending it to your accountant or your bookkeeper to review, then it's very easy to send along. Also, as far as bookkeeping software goes, my top three are QuickBooks Online, Zero, spelled X-E-R-O, and waveapps.com. Those are really good because they have the tools you need to make sure that all the transactions are in there each month and you're not missing things and duplicating things. And if you decide to outsource, they allow you to invite your accountant to access it instead of having to give them your password. That's super handy. Yeah. So as someone who like (laughs) resisted all of this at the beginning... And like won the jackpot lottery by having a business partner that actually knew how to keep track of some of this stuff before we could hire it out. 
Can you walk me through maybe like a monthly process for someone who is like, okay, I'm going to take this seriously now. I'm going to track my receipts. I'm going to track my expenses. I'm going to like reconcile all the things. Like, do I need to just be spending time one day out of the month? Is this a weekly checklist that I need to be doing? Like, give me the roadmap. Um, so what I do starting from the very basics, like receipts, I stick all my paper receipts in an envelope each month. So instead of them getting buried into my purse and never seen again, I pull them out as soon as possible and stick them in like an April folder. And then I have them ready and all in one place so that I can pull them out when it's time to do my books. The next thing, email receipts, I do the same thing. I just have one folder in my inbox and send everything there so I have it all together. The next step is if you're using a bookkeeping software, um, you can go in each day or each week and as the transactions flow into it, give them a category. That way you're not having to spend a huge chunk of time all in one day trying to do all that work. And then when it comes to your monthly reconciliation, and think of that like balancing a checkbook. I never personally balanced my own checkbooks, but I know my dad did. Like he would go into our basement and he would sit down with the bank statement and make sure it matched. That's kind of what still does this. Yep. Yeah. That's what you're doing for your business. You're doing, you're making sure what, whatever's in your bookkeeping software matches exactly with what is on your bank statement. And then if there's duplicates, they'll show up. And if you're missing transactions, it'll be really obvious. So that's kind of what the reconciliation is. And you'll want to do that at least once a month. Setting up one day a month where you've blocked that appointment off and that's your money day is going to be really important. And it's going to be hard to do it initially, especially if you hate the numbers. But if you can like reward yourself and get in a habit, like take yourself out to a cute coffee shop and get it done, then it becomes a habit. And some people even tell me they look forward to seeing their finalized numbers. You know, it gets exciting once you can see that. It's my favorite day because we purposely make that the day we get a bonus. So then I'm like, awesome. bonus day! <laughs> so, so in a LLC S-Corp, you can take distributions. And so we always make whatever the day we go over all of our finances, the day we take a distribution. And that just makes going over the numbers, at least for Emily, <laughs> a lot more tolerable. Yep. I'll be like... We hang up on the call and she's like, do you want some money? Yes, I do. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So this is how much I can pay you now. This is how much I can pay you. Plus, well, and doing yeah, doing something in Wave like that, especially because I did use Wave. I mean, not very well. I did not keep track of it. Like I wasn't on top of it. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like that was something that I did well. But I had the account, and I did sync my, you know. PayPal and Stripe and whatever. But especially if you're selling on PayPal or Etsy, those come through as duplicates often. And so like your Wave account is going to look a lot different than your checking account or your business checking account. And so being able to to know that you're not like making the double profits for the same thing because those, I think especially Etsy charges come in as double all the time. And so you need to know that, like you need to be aware of that, that you're not just making all of the money when it's the same transaction. 
Yeah, I see that happen all the time. And like if you're using PayPal and you get deposits in there and then you transfer that money to your checking account, the bank software is smart, but it's not super smart yet. And it counts both of them as income unless you fix it. So that's a huge thing to pay attention to. So the one thing I, I have to know about these dang paper receipts, I get, you know, the email ones, at least they're in my email folder and I don't have to see them. But for actual physical receipts, do I really have to keep these dang things for seven years? <laughs> you Well, the good news is the IRS accepts digital copies. So there, it, there are um, apps on your phone. A lot of the bookkeeping softwares have like little add-ons to their apps and you can just take pictures of them. But mm-hmm. it is a good idea whether you keep them in paper or digitally to keep them for seven years just in case the IRS comes back and says, we want to see proof of your expenses, because then you're not caught off guard and you have them all. Dang IRS, what the <laughs> such bullshit. <laughs> I'm interrupting myself to bring you something that could change your business forever. I'm hosting a workshop that's so important, I've made it 100% free for all online businesses. Here's what I can promise you. Inside the market ship, you're going to get the most value-packed 90 minutes you've seen in years. I'm going to share the ecosystem that represents online businesses today. You're going to walk away knowing how to create more predictable income and sustainably scale, regardless of where you're starting today. You'll uncover the AI secrets top entrepreneurs use to stay ahead, boost productivity, and secure their future. You'll have the exact equation that's making wealthy people wealthier and be able to steal copy-paste it before it widens the wealth gap any further. When you attend live and stay until the end, you'll get access to my exclusive brand new mini course, the two-click funnel, absolutely free. Inside, I'm giving you the exact automation funnel I've been running that consistently converts organic traffic into loyal buyers in minutes. Save your seat right now at bossproject.com slash shift, then share it with a friend. There isn't much time between now and the workshop, so head right now to bossproject.com slash shift to claim your spot. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. We've had to weed through hundreds of applications in the past. We could have saved so much time if we'd used Indeed. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oh, okay. So another little icky thing. I guess it's not icky. Yes, it is. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about the quarterly taxes debacle. 
I am going to tune out for this one. Um, (laughs) I think a lot of people are just not even aware that they need to be filing this. And so let's talk about when do you need to start paying quarterly taxes and what's kind of a good game plan as far as saving for them so you don't accidentally spending, you don't end up spending the money that you need to be paying the IRS? I think, you know, I hear from a lot of business owners, especially brand new ones, they say, I read or I was told that because this is my first year in business, I don't have to pay quarterly taxes. And so to clear that misconception up, you still have tax that's going to be due at the end of the year. And paying in on a quarterly basis is just like sending in a deposit to the IRS in your state to pay down a chunk of that tax that you're going to owe at the end of the year. So while you technically aren't required to pay quarterly taxes, if you are beyond your first year, if you don't pay them, and you end up owing more than $1,000, you will have underpayment penalties assessed to you. They're not huge. They're not going to be life-altering and make you file bankruptcy or anything like that, but they suck. No one wants to pay the IRS more money than they have to. So as a game plan for that, if you're a sole proprietor or single owner LLC, even a partnership, it's a good idea to set aside about 30 to 35% of your taxes uh, or of your profit for taxes. So by profit, I mean Dover after you take out your expenses for that period. If you have a negative profit, so if you have a loss, you don't need to set anything aside because you don't have any income left over that's going to be charged tax. But if you have money left over and you are showing a profit, Moving 30 to 35% each month over to a separate savings account is going to be so helpful. It's getting that money out of sight, out of mind, and out of your spendable pool of money. And then although it's never fun and never easy to make that check to the IRS, at least you're not writing it out of your your big pool of money and you have already kind of planned planned for that and set that money aside. Yeah. Even if you're not sending it to the IRS every quarter, if you still have a separate bank account where you're pulling that aside, just be prepared to be writing a bigger check if you need to. And then, of course, paying those penalties if you owe more than a thousand, which sucks. So since that was gross and icky and uncomfortable and everyone hates quarterly taxes, let's talk about how we can save money on our taxes. I know there's a lot of stuff that people forget to deduct because they either just don't know how or don't know that it counts. So I know you've got a little handy list of some stuff that people forget. So share with us. Sure. I think that one of the most common things I see people forgetting is just deducting your mileage. So if you're a photographer or wedding planner or something like that, deducting mileage is pretty common. You're probably already thinking about it. But if you are just, you know, running to the post office for the for your business or meeting with clients locally and it's just a couple of miles and you you feel like you know, it's not worth tracking. Still tracking that stuff, if you add it up over the course of the year, you could still end up with, you know, a couple hundred dollar deduction because every mile is basically half a dollar that you get to deduct. So either getting an app or putting a notebook in your car, something that will remind you and help you keep track of that on a regular basis will be super helpful. Yeah, we personally use MileAQ for those deductions. 
it does run constantly in the background of your phone. So if you don't have unlimited data or if you're not on Wi-Fi all the time, it might like eat up some of your plan. So just be aware of that. But it's super, super handy because it like gives you an alert once you stop driving and ask you to classify that drive as personal or as business. And so it will save it for you. And like you can access your log and email it to yourself. It's super handy. Yeah. And I heard that I haven't used it myself, but QuickBooks Self-Employed, their phone app has something similar. So it's even integrated with the bookkeeping and will add the miles right in. So that's really cool. Awesome. What other fancy deductions can you think of? (laughs) The other one that you might not think of is your cell phone. So it's not 100% business generally, unless you have two cell phones, which most people don't. But if you – the the best way to do it and the most provable way to the IRS to deduct your cell phone bill is to take a look at like three months of your bill and go through and highlight all of the calls that were for business purposes and add up the minutes. That will, I know it sounds like a pain. Mine, of my mine would be all of it. Yeah. So, but if you have that, if it does end up being more than like 50%, then at least you have proof as to like how you came up with that percentage. Mm-hmm. So let's say it's 75%. Sure. You would multiply your, that by your phone bill every month and that's your deduction. And that's one that's not usually, it's usually forgotten just because it's not like, you can't just put the whole bill to your business in most cases. Right. So what if you're not making calls necessarily, but like you're using Instagram for business or you're blocking from your phone or you're, you know, doing email stuff on your phone? How can you really prove that? If you um, I mean, to? there's not really going to be a way you can't. You can't pull a report of your data and say, like, I use Facebook for 25% personal and 75% business. So there's not going to be a way. And this is kind of one of those gray areas where the IRS doesn't say, like, here's how you should divide your phone data. If you, my opinion would be, if you needed to have data on your phone for the business, then go ahead and deduct it as a business expense. That's my opinion. And your accountant may have a different opinion. It just kind of depends on their risk, the risk view that they have. Right. So what about clothes or like coffee shops? What? what tell me about those things. <laughs> yeah. Snacks. Okay. So we'll start off with the clothes. If you had a really cute t-shirt with your podcast name on it and you are giving those out or wearing that to you know conferences or that kind of thing that would be promotional and you could deduct that for your business if you are like a wedding planner or a photographer those are common people that end up buying clothes for business purposes the problem is you can't deduct that because you could wear it outside of the business so you could wear it to a wedding or like a formal event or whatever as long as it doesn't have your business name on it the IRS says it could be used for personal purposes so we want you to leave it out which is a bummer yeah and um, when it comes to coffee shops if you just go there to work and you want to use their internet and buy yourself a drink, that would be a personal expense. That's something you're doing for yourself to enjoy working a little bit. But if you go to a coffee shop and you meet with a client, you guys each buy coffee and are discussing business or even not necessarily 
a client, but if you go there and meet with the photographer and talk about a photo shoot, that kind of thing, you can deduct the coffee and snacks that you buy during that. Awesome. Snackage is deductible. Must make all future meetings. Yes. Meetings. <laughs> yeah. Like, why do we just sit at my house? <laughs> go somewhere and let's there buy coffee go. and snacks. <laughs> and then just all of our shirts, like every shirt we wear, just let's just put like TCC, like right and here. Deduct to your wardrobe. And just go send all of our shirts to get it ordered. And then we can deduct it. I don't care what they say. <laughs> you're, you're ho- Amy would stop you. <laughs> hey, I mean, she it's said my you're, uniform. You're abusing it. <laughs> it's fine. So all those fun office accessories, I guess unless you're like actually a photographer or use them for props for branding or for other shoots, that kind of stuff maybe is. Yeah, I mean, you can deduct you can deduct office decor. I mean, if you think about like a corporate office, they deduct the paintings that they buy the boring paintings that they put on their walls and that kind of thing, like the plants that they put in their office. But you need to be reasonable. Like if you are building a rainforest in your office, you can't just deduct all of that because it's in your office space. (laughs) That's my new goal. I want to build a rainforest in this office. I'm kind of starting. I have some plants. Oh my gosh. Oh, Amy knows Emily too well, I think. (laughs) Oh, okay. So what else? Like, what do I need to know? Like, I feel like this is just like this mysterious land of numbers and like, it's exciting and nerve wracking. And like, I think everyone's afraid they're going to screw it up. And so... How can you just go about this confidently? Is there certain tricks that you would tell, not even necessarily tricks, but just like advice you would give someone to be more confident in like them being the CFO of their business and then making financial decisions? You know, the number one trick to making good decisions is just knowing your numbers. So a lot of us want to hide under their, our sheets until it's time for tax time. And then you're blown away by how much tax that you owe. So if you are each month setting your, setting up that date for yourself to look at your money, pay attention. And you know if it makes sense for you, do your bonus. Make that your payday too. And uh, make that your incentive to take care of that stuff. It's always good to even if you don't hire an accountant to actually prepare your taxes, knowing someone or having someone you can reach out to and feel comfortable asking those questions to is always really nice because, you know, there's so much stuff that we as business owners need to be knowing about and you can't know every single little thing. So having someone to, you know, even just say, yeah, you're on the right track. The way you're thinking about this is correct that will give you the confidence to keep moving forward and keeping track of your numbers. So if they are ready to maybe hire this out and outsource it, I know you specifically work with creatives and you're familiar with that 
industry and, and their taxes and all of their accounting stuff. So if they wanted to hire you or someone locally, or they're just wanting to, you know, get this off their plate, what are some questions that they need to be asking their CPA to make sure that that's going to be a good relationship? I think the biggest thing is just making sure they're familiar with your type of business. So not even just do you prepare S corp returns or do you prepare sole proprietor returns? It's more of, are you familiar with my type of photography business where I deal with digital images. I mean, I've heard of other accountants who were blown away by the fact that their clients were not just receiving printed images, they were getting only downloads. So, you know, there's all different types of familiarity with business types. So that's going to be the first thing. Make sure they are familiar. The next thing is, you know, just asking your friends, who who are you using? Who do you love? Who are they raving about? And that's usually a good hint as to who you should be talking to. If there's several people, interview them. You will usually they like to set up phone calls. I know that's what I like to do. You can get a good feel for each other and if you'd both be a good fit for each other and move forward from there. Well, I'm just like, you just like nailed it on the head. I feel like. So I, I don't even really have any more questions. But uh, so I guess, I mean, normally I wouldn't move into this talk strategy to me early, but I think I don't want to overcomplicate this. I don't want to make people overwhelmed with this subject. So what are five things someone can do this month if they haven't started getting organized with their numbers, what are some things they can do this month to better prepare themselves Mm -hmm. so that they are not freaking out? Pick a bookkeeping software or a spreadsheet. If you don't have one already, figure something out and, and take some time, set aside a little bit of time and learn how to use it. A lot of people jump into it and then they're not correctly using it and that can cause some problems. So Bookkeeping software, number one. Number two, get a system for organizing your paper and email receipts. That stuff can easily also be put off to the end of the year, and then you have like a whole shoebox or a big box of crap that you have to sift through. So oh, get a system for that. Yep. Yeah. Well, or it's like, faded, and I have no idea that? what that was. So. Then the third one would be put reminders on your calendar for tax deadlines. So quarterly taxes, if you have sales tax, put that on there. Um, even income tax, like set a reminder and do a alert like a month or two ahead of time so that you are on the ball and you don't miss that stuff. Because as soon as you miss like a sales tax payment, they will be all over you. So just having that on your calendar is going to be a huge help. And the fifth one I would say is, I think that's five. The fifth one, yeah, talk to an accountant earlier than later. So don't wait until February, March to try and hire an accountant. You know, talking to an accountant now earlier in the year, just getting someone on board now will be a huge weight off your shoulders. And you'll have that person throughout the year to ask questions to if they come up. Mm-hmm. Perfect. You guys, she just made it so simple and so easy. <laughs> like even I could do it, but I'm not going to because I'm just going to ask Abby to. <laughs> so it's fine. Okay. So either get yourself an Abby 
Or listen to this episode and just follow everything Amy just said. Which the trick is I don't actually do it. I hire people (laughs) and I make it look like I know what I'm doing. Which is fine. I'll buy what she's selling me. (laughs) So tell everyone where they can find you online, Amy. You can find me at amynorthardcpa.com. And I'm over on Facebook, same Amy Northard CPA. But my favorite is Instagram. And it's also Amy Northard CPA over there too. <laughs> She's learned how to take beautiful pictures of calculators that are super cute. I'm serious. So go over there and look at Amy's gorgeous collection of calculators. <laughs> and maybe you'll be intrigued and in crunching your own numbers. Thank okay? you, guys. Awesome. Thank you, Amy. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode. Send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.